Hey everybody, how the hell are you? It's Nick the American. I'm your host, Nick. And let me tell you about my week. I've been going through a little bit of a battle. Anybody who's gone through kidney stones knows what I'm about to talk about. It was this past weekend. I was on my way to Safeway. I just got into my car. I don't know what I'm going to cook. It's a Saturday. Am I going to do a pork butt roast? Am I going to smoke it? Am I going to do a couple chickens? I know my kids love ribs. I'm not sure what I'm going to make. But I get in my car and I start driving to Safeway. And boom. I get this pain in my right side. Yikes. Ooh, did I swallow water wrong? What's going on? Just starting to really grab me. And I'm 100 yards away from my house, driving away. Literally in three seconds, I start sweating profusely. Soaking wet. I turn the car around and it's all I can do just to drive back to my house. What the hell's wrong? I go in the house, and literally, I'm in labor for an hour and a half. Things keep getting worse. Something is wrong. I'm reading on Google what the hell's wrong with me. My wife's trying to check it out. My kids are looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with dad? They've never seen dad in a state like this because I'd never been in a state like this. I think my appendix is burst. Kidney stones is also an option. I just don't know. Eventually, my wife says, hey, listen, I'm taking you down to the, you know, the emergency room. And I couldn't find it. I was getting worse and worse and worse. I thought I might pass out from the pain. So I go down to the ER and I get looked at and they immediately tell me it's not my appendix. Well, that's good. I've got kidney stones. And so I tell him, hey, I've got to have something for the pain right now. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. That's how tough I am. I'm tapping out. And they give me, they shoot me with Tordal in my ass. Yep. Didn't care. Just give me the drugs. And then they give me some anti-nausea medication because literally I was going to pass out. I'd thrown up three or four times. This just was an ordeal. It was kind of a role reversal with me and my wife. We have four kids. Well, I got to watch my wife in labor four times. This is my first go around with kidney stones. And my wife got to watch her husband in labor. So I apologize for not getting an episode out a little quicker. But I've been going through some stuff. So where are we at right now with my kidney stone? I've got a couple small ones in my left and right side that have not left my kidney. They're one millimeter in size. They're real small. Not a problem. They might stay there for years. They might never be a problem. We'll see. But the big asteroid on my right side, I have a five millimeter stone that has left my kidney. And that's what I was experiencing over the weekend. A stone leaving my kidney and that's five millimeters in size. Now, I have to pass this thing naturally. And you can imagine what I have to pass it through. My wang. 
Sounds fun, doesn't it? Well, here are my options right now. I have not passed this stone. And so I go through ups and downs. I'm on medication. So if I sound like a moron, forgive me. Forgive me. But my options are, if I don't pass this naturally, I do something called shock therapy. I can have a stint put in. Or I can have surgery. I want none of those three. Let's be a big boy. Let's get tough. And let's pass this naturally. The problem is, I just saw my urologist yesterday. The chances of me passing this naturally are 50%. So I've got a 50% chance of getting a stint put in or having surgery or doing shock therapy. All unpleasant things I do not want to go through. So if you've had a kidney stone, I can sympathize with you. I remember watching uh, my Denver Broncos two years ago. Vic Fangio, our head coach, he was literally coaching on the sidelines trying to pass a kidney stone. So shout out to the old Bronco coach, Vic Fangio. I'm with you. I get it. This pain is ridiculous. But I'm hoping the worst has already happened. Typically, the most pain you experience with a kidney stone is when that stone goes from your kidney and it, it exits your kidney. That's what I was experiencing this weekend. I'm told, I've read up, it's not as painful as you might think trying to pass that stone through uh, your wang. I know. So we'll see how I do. I will keep you updated on this. Republicans, Democrats, kidney stones aren't political. They're American. And Nick's going to do the American thing, which is tighten up his shoelaces, pull up his pants, and get her done. All right. What's next? How about Jalen Hurts, baby? We just learned the Philadelphia Eagle quarterback signed the richest contract in NFL history. And I could not, and I'm not an Eagle fan. I'm not an Alabama fan or an Oklahoma fan. I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. So seeing him sign the richest contract in NFL history as a quarterback, I just want to stand up and applaud the son of a bitch. Way to go, Jalen Hurts. You're an absolute animal. Now let me tell you why. Let's see here. It was 2016. My Washington Huskies are playing in the Final Four. Well, we're playing the number one seed, Alabama Crimson Tide. Jalen Hurts is a freshman. He's kind of a dual-threat quarterback for Nick Saban. And in that game against the Washington Huskies, literally the first play of the game, he drops back to pass, and what does he do? He throws an interception to Washington safety, Buda Baker, on the very first play of the game. The Alabama offense was so bad that day, outside of a, a Bo Scarborough 75-yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter, the Alabama offense did nothing. They were so bad, Nick Saban literally, and Bama fans will know, you know, remember this, Nick Saban basically fires Lane Kiffin as his offensive coordinator and institutes Steve Sarkeesian. 
Bama and Jalen Hurts go on to lose, I believe, to Clemson in the final. They did beat the Huskies 24-7. to But Jalen Hurts was not someone you looked at and said, oh, wow, he has NFL quarterback written all over him. Nick Saban probably would have been the first person to agree with you. Well, fast forward to the next season. So Hurts is a freshman in 2016. Came on campus. He was the strongest thing anyone had ever seen, just physically impressive. But again, maybe not a great quarterback. So 2017, Bama's right back in the Final Four. Of course they are. Bama wins their first playoff game, and they go into the final, and they play the Georgia Bulldogs. And if everybody recalls what happened in that game, I think sometime in the third quarter, Jalen Hurts and the Alabama offense look like shit. Well, Nick Saban makes a change. He brings in the Hawaiian, Tua Tungavailoa. And we all remember what Tua did. He brought the Crimson Tide back and shocked the Georgia Bulldogs. Everybody remembers that throw to the left corner of the end zone. He just, just, just ripped it, just ripped it. Any quarterback coach will probably tell you, man, that was one hell of a throw. And while Tua is rallying Alabama to a national title, they keep showing Jalen Hurts on the sidelines. And I remember thinking, my goodness, this young man's career at Alabama is essentially over. His team, his team is literally out there winning a national championship and he's got to be happy on that front, but he's a human and naturally just selfishly, he has to be thinking about himself a little bit like anyone would at that moment. I just remember watching him on the sidelines and feeling so bad for him. Like, this is over for you, Jalen. Nick Saban does not think that you are good enough to play the quarterback position for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, we all know what happens. Alabama wins the national title, shocks Georgia. And Georgia fans, it's a little easier to stomach now, right? Because you've won a couple in a row. That one's a little easier to stomach, right, Kirby Smart? Probably not. He's probably still upset about it. But Jalen Hurts, not only is his career over at Alabama, he has to be wondering, just like NFL scouts are wondering, fans are wondering, is this guy even an NFL player at all? And I remember thinking, well, if he's not a quarterback, he's a physical monster. Is there something else he could do? And so he went to Oklahoma had an incredible year and was ultimately drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round. And it was like mid to late second round, like late fifties, like 58th overall, something like that. And I remember thinking, Oh, what are the Eagles going to do? Are they going to, you know, try to put two quarterbacks on the field? Is it going to be like a hybrid wildcat? Something like that. Well, he just signed. You know, hey, let's check that. Let's go back for a second. They weren't bringing him in to be a, a wildcat specialist. 
they were bringing him in to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And what a quarterback he's become. I opened with, he just signed the richest contract in NFL history. But he wasn't good enough to play for Nick Saban. He had to kick him to the curb. The kid led him to two straight national championships as a freshman and a sophomore, but he wasn't good enough to continue to play football for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And now I look at him as the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, signing this contract. I watch him, and I'm in. I'm just in awe. This guy has been to the highest highs, the lowest lows in that 2017 national championship win over Alabama where he got pulled. He's just had to endure. Who's tougher than Jalen Hurts? Who's mentally tougher than Jalen Hurts? I'm not sure many folks are. And, and if you watch the Super Bowl, yes, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Jalen Hurts played almost a perfect football game. So I just look at Jalen Hurts from the time I saw him lifting weights as a freshman at Alabama to his pick on the first play of the game in the 2016 college football playoff to Lane Kiffin getting fired as offensive coordinator to him rebounding and taking his team to a national championship game and then getting replaced in that game by a young Tua who led him to victory. The things that he had to endure. Well, there's nobody tougher in the National Football League than Jalen Hurts. And he should be an example. I don't give a damn what sport you're playing, um, what your profession is. It doesn't matter. Look at Jalen Hurts. This dude is an American stud. Any way you want to slice it. So I thought it was important for me to highlight Jalen. Stand up, Mr. Hurts. Hey, all the accolades, the recognition's great. You got paid. What other quarterback would you want right now in the NFL besides Jalen Hurts? Sure, there's a few. There's a few. But he is in the top five. Wasn't good enough to play for Nick Saban any longer. And now he is literally one of the best quarterbacks in the entire world. Way to go, Jalen. I'm watching you. Keep it up. And uh, that bank account looks mighty fine. All right. Now it's time to talk about something that's a little more serious. And I want to be very delicate with this situation, with this topic, because it's, it's a delicate topic. The topic of a woman's right to choose. Pro life, pro choice, Roe v. Wade, we're talking about abortion. I told you that I'm socially liberal. And over time, I'll try and explain what that means. But one of the reasons why I'm socially liberal is because to me, it means freedom. And being socially liberal, when you attach that to Roe v. Wade or abortion, you are for a woman's right to choose. You're for freedom. A woman's body is a woman's body. 
And so it makes me think what would happen if men gave birth? Do you think we would have Roe v. Wade? Do you think there would be something called pro-life and pro-choice if men gave birth? Do you think a state government or a federal government would come in and tell a man what they could do with their body under so many different circumstances? I don't think so. I don't think so. So we saw, we, we've seen the court shift. It's a Supreme Court 6-3. And ever since I was a little kid, we've heard that the Republican Party, who is predominantly pro-life and anti-abortion, wants to overturn Roe v. Wade and take it back to the states. Let the states decide. Well, they got what they wished for. They've got the majority in the Supreme Court. And last year, they were able to overturn Roe v. Wade and take it back to the states. There's a problem with that. You can want to be pro-life all you want. But now, Roe is gone. And so it's a be careful what you wish for. You look at polling. 30% of people, 30% of Americans are basically pro-life under any circumstance. I'm talking rape, incest, life of the mother. It doesn't matter. So a minority of the country is anti-abortion under any circumstance. The majority of the country, we're talking anywhere from 55 to 70%, is pro-choice or they're for abortion in certain circumstances. And Republicans, I know, I've talked to so many of you who have said, you know, I tend to be fiscally conservative, but I'm I'm socially liberal. And then we talk about abortion. I've had these conversations one-on-one -on -one with so many Republicans. And a lot of Republicans will tell me, the government has no right to come in and tell you what to do. Well, I'm here to tell you, in our political landscape, everything that we discuss, we agree, disagree on in politics, everything. There is no bigger personal freedom on the table for Americans than a woman's right to choose. It, they're, 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 nothing is bigger than controlling one's own body. Think about this for a second. Republicans want to keep gun rights. They want they want to be able to own an AR15 or whatever. We're not going to, you know, get really get into guns. We'll we'll get into guns later. But that gun is theirs from my cold dead hand, some like to say. Well, let's replace that gun, that gun, that precious gun with your own body. How would you feel then? 
you need a medical procedure performed for maybe maybe to save your life. And a state government or the federal government says, no, it's outlawed. If we're so passionate about guns and it's my right to keep this gun, it's my right to own this gun. And I, I'm not anti-gun. Imagine how you would feel if you did not have control of your own body. Replace the gun with your own self. Nothing is more important than the freedom to do what you need to do, what you and your doctor have discussed, than your own self, your own body. So Republicans are in a bit of a pickle. 2022, if you recall, was supposed to be a big red wave for Republicans. And it didn't turn out that way. A lot of the prognosticators wanted to blame it on Trump. Oh, it was Trump fatigue. They reject Trump. And maybe part of that was true. But not so fast. When the Supreme Court overturned Roe, we saw its first litmus test in the state of Kansas, a red state, a very red state. Now, I know the folks in Lawrence and the folks in Manhattan will tell you that they're as liberal as anybody. But the state of Kansas is a red state. Make no mistake about it. And what did we see in the state of Kansas? They were the first ones to vote. And they kept, overwhelmingly kept, abortion rights. So if you're a Republican lawmaker, be careful what you wish for. You got it overturned. And the first litmus test in a red state, they said, hell no. We are keeping this freedom, this personal freedom. We are keeping it. And so I bring up 2022 because... Was it Trump fatigue or did a bunch of women go to the polls and say, my goodness, red and blue women go to the polls and say, we have to keep this. Abortion rights was settled law. You can't take it away. Republicans didn't see the red wave in 2022 because abortion was on the ballot. That's my opinion. And in 2024, it's going to be on the ballot again. And if Republicans in red states are going to outlaw the abortion pill, if they are going to outlaw abortion under any circumstance as the minority, 30% of Americans are for no abortion under any circumstance, which means The other side is the majority. That's what you're staring down in 2024. I've heard Republicans say, let's just, hey, it belongs with the states. Well, think about that for a second. If it belongs to the states, we are now hearing in states like Idaho and Missouri that attorney generals are going to prosecute women 
for crossing state lines to have the medical procedure in a state where it's legal. Well, if you're for states' rights, how the heck can you be for prosecuting a person for crossing state lines into a state where it's legal? How, how is that possible? How many Americans think that's a good idea? These differences, these discrepancies are going to get highlighted in the next two years, in the next year prior to the election. And abortion is going to be on the ballot like never before. And hey, it's great. Republicans, you got a 6-3 advantage in the court. But it's a be careful what you wish for. This is trouble. Republicans have to update their stance on abortion. If they do not, they're in trouble. Because let me be really clear here. Let me be really clear. Abortion is not a Democratic thing. It's not a blue thing. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a red thing. Abortion is an American thing. Republicans have abortions. They have the medical procedure for so many different unique reasons, as do liberals. That right has to be protected. I know Republicans. I know Democrats that have had that medical procedure. I was in Las Vegas when Roe was overturned with my family. We were on vacation having having a good time in Vegas. And it just hit me when it got overturned. And I thought about all of the families that exist in this country. Some of the families that I know. Their vibrant three and four kid families exist because at some point in their lives, they made the decision to have the medical procedure. And Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and other Republicans have mentioned this too. They talked about having a a day for the unborn. Let's mourn the unborn. Well, what about the born? What about all of the families, red and blue, that exist today because a woman had a right to her own body? She had a right to choose. What if that right was taken away? If we're going to mourn the unborn, what do we think about the born? Abortion is an extremely sensitive issue. It's not one that I take lightly. I take it a lot more serious than I think the former president, Donald Trump, takes it. Prior to him being a political candidate, Trump was, quote, very pro-choice. Just like the majority of the country. Well, He was able to play politics with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Good for him. They got another justice there when she passed away. They probably should have shipped her out. The Democrats probably should have shipped her ass to Turks and Caicos in a coffin for a couple of months. But Trump was able to 
run out the cl- uh, you know he he had a little bit of time left on the clock and he was able to get a justice in there Mitch McConnell Obama was president if you recall Scalia dies he's got a full year left on his term nominates Merrick Garland and Mitch McConnell smart ass republican won't let Merrick Garland come up for a vote, United States Senate. Great. Get you that 6-3 majority. But you don't have a majority in the country. It's close to 70-30 when you really get down to it. Republicans have realized over the last year, well, I'm I'm for choice here and I'm for choice here and I'm for choice here, but I'm 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 anti-abortion here. If you're for choice in multiple areas and you still consider yourself pro-life, you need to you need to look in the mirror and say no. In order to protect the rights of all women, you've got to protect the rights of all women. If men gave birth, this would not be a topic. There would be no Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. Men would do what the hell men would do. There is no bigger freedom on the political table today than a woman's right to her own body. If men and women are equal, which from the bottom of my soul, I believe, if they are equal, then we have no right, no right to control their body, whether it's at a federal level or a state level. Abortion isn't red or blue. Republicans have abortions. Democrats have abortions. Abortion needs to be rare and safe. It's a tough topic. It's a tough topic. But if Republicans don't evolve on this issue and let the American people know, hey, the abortion pill, we're for it. A menopausal, a woman in her 50s, high risk, has got four kids. The youngest is a sophomore in college. She hasn't got a period in two years. Oh, my God. She finds out she's pregnant. That's her choice. Rape and incest. Stand up and say, under no circumstance do I think a woman should have to give birth when she was raped. Their stance has to evolve. And if it doesn't evolve, there is no way you can call yourself the party of freedom. There's just no way you can do that. You saw it in 2022. The red wave was stunted. I think it was the abortion issue. 2024, we may have a dog shit race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I want neither. Neither. 
But if Republicans don't evolve, abortion is going to be the number one thing on the ballot. And like we saw in the state of Kansas, a red state, people want to keep their freedom. If you respect women, you'll go to the ballot box and make your choice. Rona McDaniel, God, I always bring you up, girl. You and Trump know this abortion thing could really kick you in the head. It's not, not a topic that I, I love to talk about, but it's a topic that we have to stop to have we have to talk about. No more important issue in American politics than giving a woman a right to her body. Please, mega Republicans, can you imagine the government telling you what you could do with your body? You won't let them tell you what they can do with your gun. Imagine if it was your body. (laughs) Wow. All right. Let's get a little happier. I know it's vacation time. Well, it's starting to get that way, right? We've got you got spring breaks coming up. We've uh, on the edge of uh, get. We're, we're just getting closer to summer, and I know a lot of families are going to go to the happiest place on earth, Disneyland, baby, Disneyland. And I can tell you, I am a pro at Disneyland. The last 10, 10 years. I bet me and my fam, me and my family have been to Disneyland twelve times. Hell, a couple times we went twice a year. And I'm not a rich dude. That might imply that I am. No, I've got a mother-in-law who, once a year, she wants to go to Disneyland, and so she puts together the trip along with my wife. We split some of the costs, and we go to Disneyland. We wake up at four in the morning. We get in a Uber. We drive our car to the airport. We've done it a bunch of different ways. It's such a shit show to get there. I've got a mother-in-law who's got bad hips, bad knees. She needs wheelchair access. I've got four kids who are fighting with each other. The whole process of getting to Disneyland is an absolute fucking nightmare. Once you get there, it's great. But I want to give you a few tips when you do get to Disneyland or you are going with going to Disneyland. You got to pack your patience, especially for those of you going with your mother-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. She's the sweetest thing in the whole world. But trust me, after a week in Disneyland, and my wife, the same thing. I love my wife. I'm telling you, after a week in Disneyland, those last that last day or two, no matter how much you love your mother-in-law, no matter how much you love your wife, you're going to want to strangle them. And they are going to want to strangle you. So make sure you pack some whiskey or some vodka. You go to the Target on Harbor Boulevard, 
because it's almost a rite of rite of passage once you finish an eight or ten hour day at the park, right? To come home and have a a stiff one, go into the hot tub and relax because you deserve it. This is going. This is not a vacation. Over time, it's gotten easier for me, but. When you travel with four kids, a wife, and a mother-in-law, the happiest place on earth sometimes doesn't feel so doggone happy. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a, a quick story. Rental cars. We've got a rent. Uh, at, at the years ago, we were driving a Toyota Sienna, and so that's a car that will fit four kids and three adults. Now, keep in mind, my my mother-in-law doesn't walk very well. We have a Toyota Sienna at home, and so she rents a Toyota Sienna. But they only have the Honda Odyssey right now in L.A., or and that's where we go typically. We always go to um, uh, Disneyland in Anaheim. We only went to Disney World one time, and that was many years ago. So I am not an expert in the state of Florida with Disney World. I'm an expert with California Adventure and Disneyland in Anaheim. But anyways, so... They don't have a Toyota Sienna for us. Well, they've got a Honda Odyssey. No big deal. Me and my wife know doing car shopping. They're the same damn car with a different body. But my mother-in-law doesn't think so. Anyways, I pack this car. It's like 96 degrees out, right? I pack this car with all of our luggage, get everything fitted, right? Takes me like a half hour. We are ready to go. And guess what pulls in the fucking lot? A Toyota Sienna. And my mother-in-law freaks out. She doesn't think she can get in the Honda Odyssey, even though it's the same damn car. I'm not kidding. She goes to the front desk, and she wants that She wants that Sienna because that's what we drive at home. That's what she's comfortable with. And I have to unpack that entire car in 96-degree heat. To make my mother-in-law happy. Pack your patience in Disneyland. Pack your patience. Know about fast passes. By the way, Disneyland's charging for fast passes now. It's ridiculous. A fast pass is basically a ticket you can go up to the front of the line and get. And it tells you to come back in an hour or two hours. And you can walk right on instead of waiting in the lines. You can only have one active fast pass at a time, but it is a great insider's way to ride rides fast. You can grab a fast pass for Splash Mountain, and we've got to come back at 2 o'clock. Great. We'll go sit in line for 40 minutes at Pirates of the Caribbean, no problem. And then when we're done, boom, we can jump on Splash Mountain. There's some secrets of Disneyland, too. There's certain restaurants that you can go and get ice cream nachos, right? They're not on the menu. It's a secret. That's kind of cool. Do you know that there's a club in Disneyland called Club 33? It's hidden. It's a hidden gem. I wouldn't know because I've never been in there. I mean, the elite of the elite get into this club. It costs tens of thousands of dollars to be a member of Club 33. You could walk by. In fact, you have walked by through Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff, 
and never seen Club 33, but it's there. You would never know it. Why the hell am I telling you about Club 33? I've never been there, and I've been to Disneyland a zillion times. So, as you're getting ready for your, your vacation, make sure you pack your patience no matter what. Because as much as you love your wife and your kids and your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, by the time you've spent a week in the happiest place on earth, you're going to want to strangle them. And I promise you, and rightfully so, they are going to want to strangle your impatient ass too. Over time, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. But uh, Harbor Boulevard. Right on Anaheim, right right across the street from Disneyland. When we were young, we stayed at the Howard Johnson. It's got a great water park for kids. We stayed there for several years. They were building a new hotel right across the street. I think it's Cambria now. I'm not even sure, but it's super posh. Super, it, it is incredibly nice. We stayed there for a couple of years. Very pricey compared to the Howard Johnson. And then the last four years, we've stayed on Harbor Boulevard at the Anaheim Hotel. And I highly recommend the Anaheim Hotel. It, 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 it's got that like 1950s, 1960s feel to it. Like Frank Sinatra would have stayed there. That's their theme. Very well kept, not crowded. They've got a great bar in front. I'm telling you, if you haven't booked, Really look, if you've got young kids, I recommend the Howard Johnson. They've got a wonderful little water park for the kids. If your kids are a little bit older, the Anaheim Hotel on Harbor Boulevard, it's just right across the street from the park. It is the way to go. It is the way to go. So vacation time's coming up. If you're going to go to the happiest place on earth, I recommend the Howard Johnson. If you've got the, if you've got the dough, the Cambria right next door um, is excellent, but the five-star choice for me is the Anaheim Hotel. Take it from me. Now, I've been to Disneyland so many times that I've got this, this idea. I, you, I've told you that I love treasure, right? I love treasure. Well, I've kind of written like a movie script on a treasure hunt in Disneyland. And it, it's this family with their mother-in-law. Got to get up at four in the morning, that hustle and bustle to get to California, get into your rental car, get situated in your hotel, go to Target and get all your snacks and your food for the week, all of that fun stuff, right? Well, when I walk into the park, all right, let me set the movie for you. There's this old caretaker that calls me to her. She's in one of these old shops right as you walk downtown the, the main street. And she hands me a map. She gives me a clue of some sort. And she tells me to go find this Disney treasure. And so I basically, with my kids, spend the entire week going from clue to clue, to clue around the park, to decipher this old map 
that this old lady, this caretaker, has given me. There's a treasure in Disneyland. Bob, Bob Iger, are you listening? Let's do a national treasure at Disneyland. And a dad like me and his kids have to decipher this map. And we've got to go to Tom Sawyer's Island. We've got maybe there's a clue in Splash Mountain or Pirates of the Caribbean. There's clues everywhere. And basically, it's me and my family at Disneyland. And we're like, and I'm like Nicolas Cage. We've got a in, in National Treasure. We have to figure out where this treasure is. The greatest treasure anyone's ever seen, right? The Knights Templar. No, it's probably not like that. Maybe the treasure, when we do find it, is Walt Disney. It's Walt's left the original blueprints for Disneyland, you know, on a napkin. It's it's different things maybe that Walt has left someone to find. But think about it. I love Disneyland so much. Bob Iger, Disneyland. Why don't you guys do a treasure hunt, a treasure movie at the happiest place on earth? I think it would be fabulous. Call me, Bob. I've got some of the script written. Let's go. I've got some concepts. National treasure for Disneyland. Lastly, I've seen Ron DeSantis. I don't want to get too political with the happiest place on earth. And Ron DeSantis is going to be running for president. Good for him. Go, Ron. But I just want to beg you, Ron. Don't make the happiest place on earth red or blue. Don't divide us. Disneyland is Disneyland. Let's keep the politics out of it. And I know you think they've gone too woke. They've gone too woke. I'm telling you, 97% of people, when you walk through the gates and you spend a week at Disneyland, you'll have no idea what woke means. You won't notice some of the changes that they've made. Holy shit. Minnie Mouse is in a different outfit. That's woke. Did you see what they're doing in The Little Mermaid? Disney wants to make the, the, the lobster or the crab or whatever the hell it is. They want to make him gay. That's woke. Don't protest the happiest place on earth. Let Disneyland be. Please, Ron, focus on other stuff. Disneyland's not red or blue, and it never will be. It never should be. Don't go to war with them. Please. Please don't go to war with Disneyland. All right. Folks, that's all I've got for you today. I, ju I just need you to do me a favor. I need you to go have a hell of a, a morning, a hell of a rest of the day or evening, be good to each other and book your trip to Disneyland. Until the next time, this is Nick the American. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>